Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Second Paul Kowarski. here from 6th and Peabody, Yeehaw Bureau, Smokey Moonshine, our host each and every day for OutKick 360. We say hello to you across the OutKick network. John McClain's about to join us. We'll get into the NFL headlines of the day. Uh, Elsewhere, the Warriors took a 3-2 series lead over the Celtics last night, despite Steph Curry not playing up to the mega star status that he has through the first four games of this series. Just 16 points. He didn't hit a three. Missed all nine attempts. Uh, But good news for them, being the Warriors and Steph Curry, you had Boston, who missed their first 12. So it was not like... You know, the the lopsided back and forth that we've seen where Boston rebounds after a loss in order to win by double digits, it's their first double-digit loss of the postseason. And Wiggins made up the difference in a big way with a big shooting percentage, right? 12 of 23, 26 points, 13 rebounds. Uh, you're not expecting that from, from him. So, uh, you know, your big gun falls off and somebody comes up and, and makes up a, a big difference. That, to me, was the, the key. I, I, Outside I was, of Boston, starting so badly. I was sure uh, the Warriors were done when they gave up that 16-point lead. Yeah. And, and Al Horford hits a three to take the lead. And the Celtics get in these modes. They miss their first 12, but then they hit eight straight at one point in the game. And it's like they can't get rid of the basketball quick enough because they know it's going to go down. Doesn't matter who shoots it. They get just a little bit of a look, and it's like Al Horford rushed that thing up there, and you knew he was going to drain it once they get going and get hot. I, I thought they were going to carry that uh, to a comeback win, but credit Golden State. They recovered and, and played very well down the stretch, and I, I think they go on to win that series now after winning that game last the night. series needs a game to come down the final shot. Steve Kerr said uh, that it's ending in Boston. They're going to Boston to close it out. Said that post game in the locker room. Uh, to his team after his team went nine for 40 from beyond the arc, but still ended up winning by 10. Nine for 40. That is. Uh, well, it's no Steph Curry. Yeah. You know? I mean, that that's remarkably bad. John McClain joins us from Houston. Time to hit the NFL headlines. Shifting, shifting from NBA to baseball. <laughs> that's right. But, John, I'm going to get to your first pitch in a moment, but I want to start with the headline of the day, which is Deshaun Watson speaking to reporters again. Uh, But for the first time since the report came out from the New York Times last week, we mentioned earlier in the show, you were with us live uh, to react to this and and give perspective on this a week ago. Um, Knowing and and watching Watson answer these questions yet again, what's your takeaway and the the biggest news and note from earlier today at their minicamp session? First of all, guys, the fact that he continues to deny everything, I think it strains credibility. Uh, the New York Times reported there had been 66 women who had scheduled appointments with him. 
and we knew of 44. Now we know of two more. And I wonder how many more out there who don't want to be part of the civil suit or don't want their name out publicly. And it's almost like a never-ending story. So there's nothing that he's going to say that's going to change people's opinion about him. And he is innocent until proven guilty. And there are a lot of people out there who believe that Deshaun Watson's innocent. I've talked to people and I have them email, email me. They think he's being railroaded. Tony Busby, the attorney for the plaintiffs, that he's behind everything. But what everybody wants to know now is how long is Roger Goodell going to spend him? I think he'll be suspended for a season. The full season. Uh, and, and so much has changed. That right there is the reason to settle. That is the example to settle before it gets to this point. And I only say that because... Uh, four weeks ago, with all the details from the depositions a year ago, the sentiment was it was going to be six weeks. You think any- I thought it was going to be six weeks at one yeah, Sorry, Paul. I thought it was going to be six weeks at one point, reduced to four. Then I thought more like eight weeks, maybe reduced to six, then six to eight. Now I think. Anything less than a season, Goodell's going to have egg all over his face. It can be appealed to Goodell or someone who appoints him. I'm still surprised that the Browns let him talk about the legalities. Most people don't let someone talk about a legal situation before it's clarified. But the thing that he continues to not have any regrets, that's preposterous because look what it's done to his reputation. He didn't play last season. He may not play this season. As far as settlements, you know, he could have settled it all at one point for 100000 Early on, could have settled it for a million later. Now that he's got the two hundred fifty million guaranteed, maybe it's going to cost him twenty six million. He's still going to be well taken care of financially, but he's got to do whatever it takes to make it go away. And so far, he's been unable to do it. Traditionally, the news dump happens around July Fourth weekend. Is that kind of what you've circled on your calendar for the next three weeks? Is I mean, there's no more mini camp after this week. So as far as uh, a public comment goes, unless he does something through his attorneys, it won't be through the league circuits uh, and, and availability. Do you, do you think that's when we finally know something one way or the other and the Browns find out what's going to happen here? Jonathan, I've always thought it'd be sometime before training camp, no matter when they do it. If they do it at midnight, it's still going to be monstrous story all over the country. There's people all over the world that want to know because the NFL's expanded its popularity. I know there's a lot of people here waiting to see if they should buy single-game tickets to the Browns game on December 4th. And most of us thought, well, when the schedule came out, he'll be there for that. Now I don't think he will be. And, of course, the Texans will be suspended for the season because they want them to lose with Jacoby Brissett, so the draft choices will be higher. And uh, I think I think it'd be we'd be shocked. I can't imagine now anybody wouldn't be shocked if it's still only six or eight games. Browns knew the risk that they were taking with this. This is probably what they envisioned. If they if it gets what you're saying, a year, that's probably what they envisioned as worst case scenario uh, among the possibilities. They probably didn't think that was very likely. Uh, at, at that stage after two grand juries denied to, to move forward with the case. You, you think he has no regrets, he keeps saying. You think they have any? 
Paul, they I don't think the Browns cared about what happened. I think they only care about what happens because they know that he's been in an unprecedented situation with so many women accusing him of sexual assault, sexual misconduct, sexual harassment, and it's 24, could be 26, could be more than that. And so they knew there was going to be a penalty. They also know at some point it will be over. And at some point, he will be their quarterback with the suspension and the civil suits behind him or the settlements, and he'll be able to focus on football now with a great young quarterback. I wonder if he will ever be able to duplicate his outstanding performance here where he played home games indoors and then played division games in Nashville, Jacksonville, Indianapolis as to pose to playing on the banks of Lake Erie in a stadium that gets more wind than any stadium in the NFL. And that's even when the weather's nice. And then, of course, he has to play the division games outdoors and in the cold. And uh, I wonder if he'll ever have statistics like he used to. But they've always had a good running game. they got a great running game now. They put weapons around him. They have a defense. They have everything in place for whenever he's able to play. I think something that would be absolutely shocking is if Goodell did what they did in baseball and they suspended him two years like baseball has Trevor Bauer. That would be shocking to me. But I think the Browns, they don't care. If they cared, they wouldn't have given $230 million. And I've said it before, and I apologize for saying it again. The Browns were, were, were ridiculous. If they had gave him $230 million guaranteed with no guarantee from him in writing that he would at least make this go away before training camp by reaching unprecedented settlements. Yes, and and I I realize anything involving this is a is a headline right now, but the headline last night that the Browns are not going to void the contract. I you know I I looked at that and said, of course uh, not yet. Of course they wouldn't. They've got three first round picks invested in this. They can't get that back if they void the contract. Can you imagine how stupid they would look? They look even right. dumber than they do now if they did something like that. You talk about getting egg on your face, that'd be like uh, three eggs on your face. And they would be, they'd be admitting they made a mistake just to try to get money back and just put him out there. The key is say they cut him. Would somebody else uh, claim him? Would somebody wait till the legal issues are behind him? I don't think anybody would claim him. I think they would wait until the legal issues were up. The Browns have put up with too much abuse and they pinned too much on the, his right arm to back away. So I don't think there's any way they're going to do that. Well, speaking of the Browns, you know, giving themselves a raw deal, uh, reports are out that the Panthers are in fact interested in a trade for Baker Mayfield, but they want the Browns to pick up the majority of that $18 million if they're going to make a deal for him. Is this a deal that should get done, John? Cadillac, I'll tell you something that drives me crazy. David Tapper, the owner of the Panthers, who's done a bad job in his two years of owning the team, he is the was, well, he still is the wealthiest owner in the NFL until the Waltons uh, officially take over in Denver. Now, why would $18 million, that's chump change to him. That's tip money for him compared to what we would be doing. I found it just preposterous that they're not trading for Mayfield because they want the Browns to pick up a bigger part of the contract. If they like Baker Mayfield, 
last year of his contract, coming off surgery on his left shoulder with a huge chip on both shoulders, wanting to prove everybody wrong, I would want Mayfield. In the two seasons in which he was healthy, he played very well. Problem is, he was hurt the other two. So I would want him over Sam Darnold any day of the week. And $18 million, what is the big deal? Yes, and and consider, I mean, Darnold's a great example. There are a number of other guys who, if you insert Baker Mayfield into the competition, have to look over their shoulder immediately, right? Like, it's not like uh, he's a stopgap for the next piece. He could be that and only that. But at the same time, as you're saying, I would buy into the fact that you've got somebody looking to prove it. And I wouldn't want to run it back with the Browns because they just ran him through the gauntlet with his shoulder and then kicked him to the curb for Deshaun Watson. There's no way I would want to play for the Cleveland Browns this year. The only people be unhappy with that would be progressive insurance because of all they invested in his house. And if I were if I were the Browns, I'd take Sam Darnold because they've got Jacob and Brissett, uh to play this season. They may have signed somebody else, but Darnold, you'd at least have two guys who've been starters in the NFL instead of the Panthers, who may be in the market for a quarterback next year in the draft, which is supposed to be uh, so much better than this year, according to quarterback prospects. Find them and go ahead and unload Darnold in that trade, and I pick up the eighteen million and then hey Baker, you're my guy. Matt Corral, you're a developmental guy. Let's see how it goes. John McClain with us coming up. He threw out the first pitch for the Houston Astros. We will get his assessment of the first pitch over the weekend where the arm is loose and still ready to go. Uh, Chad will ask about the the shorts. I'm sure that's uh, on tap as well. And I'm curious from this perspective, we'll get into Sean Payton and the report of what the the Dolphins were willing or about to uh, offer him on a contract. But this time of year, I always ask this question. Is there report any report across the league of a player looking bad right now in practice? A live tweet. Is there any reporter willing to say that a player sucks right now? That's next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. John McClain joins us on Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network, throwing out the first pitch for the Houston Astros. John, were you nervous as you walked to the mound? I've been nervous ever since they invited me to throw out the first pitch Sunday. I In the Rockets' last game, they honored me, and part of that was shooting a free throw for charity right before the opening tip. And I was out there with players lined up watching. They brought out Chronicle people to line up at the free throw line. They were behind me, and I didn't even know it. I was so focused on trying to hit the rim. And in this case, I wanted to get the ball to the catcher. They didn't have one of their regular catchers, and they had uh, Seth Martinez, one of their relief pitchers, catch me. And I'd been practicing. I got a torn rotator cuff in my right shoulder. If I didn't have that, I wouldn't have worried, so I couldn't use a normal motion. But I had been playing catch with friends, and I'd been doing it from the ground. I went onto the dirt. I didn't go up on the rubber. 
And I didn't want Justin Verlander being intimidated to follow me. And as I told everybody, I was the Astros opener. And they had lost three in a row, and I was going to do everything I could to help them break the losing streak. So I got there about an hour and a half early, and the guy that was handling me took Carol and I and my good friend Shereen Williams and her husband Tom took us out onto the to the uh, behind the batter's box, and we hung out. And it was an afternoon game, so they don't have batting practice after a night game. So we just hung out there until it was time, and uh, – I was standing there, and a guy, Chris Garcia, said, okay, here's the ball. He said, uh, you're up. So I walk out there, and I didn't look up on the scoreboard to see myself, and I listened to what the PA man was saying. And I got there, and I wished I hadn't rushed it. And at first, I threw it, and I thought it hit the dirt in front of the batter's box. Instead, it hit the dirt in the batter's box, which meant I made it to home plate. And I walked off with my hand around my throat that I choked and I tweeted, I choked worse than the Oilers at Buffalo. <laughs> and, uh, and the, and people, friends of mine were there videotaping from all angles and posting them and sending them one to me. And the best ones were from the press box because it was farther away and I didn't look so fat. And uh, plus I could see from that angle that I had hit the dirt in the batter's box. And the truth is I wanted to tell the, the catcher, Relief pitcher Seth Martinez, you could have made more of an effort yeah. to catch that ball in the air, but of course I didn't. It was an unbelievable experience, something I'd been thinking about since the first game I attended when I was nine years old in 1962 at Oak Colt 45 Stadium, and it was a dream come true, and and it was Everybody made fun of me, but that was okay. I'm still, you know, I told them, you got a bum shoulder and you're 70 years old. And uh, to to get have a chance to do that was uh, mesmerizing. So great. John, take us through the decision to wear shorts, if you would. Uh, was, this a, was this a weather-related thing? Did you want to show off the legs? Or was this more of a freedom of movement type deal where you needed to be in shorts in order to throw out this pitch? It's so funny of everything people have said to me, and I was at Texans minicamp today, and there's 50 reporters there, and a bunch of them talked to me. Not one person has ever asked me about wearing shorts because we live in Houston, and nobody questions you when you're wearing shorts. Now, I'm being honored tomorrow night with a, a toast to the general for charity, and they got Hall of Famers, a lot of Hall of Famers coming in to honor me, and I told Carol, I will not be wearing shorts because it's indoors. Technically, the game was indoors, but my God, it was 99 degrees outside. I never thought twice about it. Did they give you, did they at least give you a uh, a jersey, a, a uniform with your name Cap. on the back or anything? I told them I wasn't going to wear anything that oh. had an emblem on it. I said, I've been work, working 51 years in the newspaper business, and we're taught you never wear anything that's got team gear on it so they gave me a hat and they knew not to give me a jersey and i gave the hat the cap to shereen williams and uh so i told them as long as i wear my hall of fame hat i'm good to go i just wish someone would have uh banged a trash can right as you threw that pit <laughs> i think he's gonna, go with, trash he's gonna go with a fastball hey. here <laughs> You need to get your facts straight. It's not banging a trash can. It's banging in trash can lids. Oh, lids. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Is it one bang for fastball, two for curve? Also on the on none the lid, for, none the trash for can? curve. Yeah. That would have been. Now, I think you back. I think you bang on it if it was a certain pitch. It's amazing how Jose Altuve still gets booed 
more than anybody, and it was proved that he did it less and refused <laughs> to do it and fought against it. But people don't care, and it's okay because he's he's playing really, really well, yeah. as he always does. I can't wait till the All-Star game at Dodger Stadium where manager Dusty Baker is revered. And they'll have several all-stars on there, including, I'm guessing, Justin Verlander, who's 8-2 and two with the most victories in baseball, is Dusty Baker's starter. And he was part of that. So they will get booed by everybody. And I'm guessing Dusty Baker will be cheered because of all his great seasons with the Dodgers. They didn't need to bang the trash can for Altuve, John, because he was wearing a more high-tech thing, some sort of buzzer which is why he wouldn't let anybody take his shirt off to celebrate. He was holding that thing together for dear life. Yeah, that came out. That was on a tweet that was immediately removed. And then uh, Carlos Correa's wife went public and said the reason he wouldn't take his shirt off. So last time he did it, they took his shirt off and his wife didn't like it. Yeah, there was supposed to be some sophisticated buzzer, like you're wearing a wire for the police talking to the drug dealer. And all of a sudden, it's going to buzz. Like, who 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 made it buzz? But yeah, there's a lot of people still think they did that, too. He's very embarrassed by his tattoo, I heard. Apparently, Paul's Especially one of them Yankee. who thinks they did that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Especially other thing- Yankee fans. The Yankee fans are most bitter, of course. Yeah, it's just like a piece Paul. of metal. It's just a piece of metal. What the, ha- what the Astros should do is leak the information that for the third time in the last seven years, baseball's changed their actual ball that they play the sport with. Uh, miraculously. Uh, they did it in 2015, 2019, and it's happening again this Willy year, nilly. too. Right in the middle of the season. Um, and and just going about their business uh, as if nothing Break has changed the, the sport itself. Imagine if that happened with, I don't know, the <laughs> the football, you know, in, in the NFL or the NBA. The Major League Baseball, just change them up. Guys, I'm selling like as much up. velocity on this. If Patrick Mahomes comes back on a Monday, like, that football was bigger this week. Anybody else feel <laughs> it that? Like it was different. Ball. It was really weird. If, if, the, if any it's details more rounded Paul, on the get sides. Out, if any details get out on that, like the actual decision, it's coming from Houston. That That's my prediction. Uh, John, uh, question for you in regards to coaching contracts and the report from the Miami, or excuse me, the South Florida Sun Sentinel. Uh, about Sean Payton. The report was $100 million contract. Now, the difference between that offer and this report and John Gruden is John Gruden was going to average $10 million per year over a 10-year deal. This is a $100 million offer that was going to last five for Sean Payton. When you, when you saw this, when you see the headlines for this, are you buying it that it's for this amount of money? There's no salary cap for, for what teams could pay a coach, but... Think about what that would mean for NFL coaches moving forward. We, we speak on the, the Deshaun Watson guaranteed deal. If Sean Payton's going to come back and get that type of money, think about what everyone else is going to start wanting. First of all, that was written by Dave Hyde, a longtime columnist for the South Florida Sun Sentinel. Dave's been doing it for decades. He's very well respected, and he would not put that out there if he didn't have it from good sources. And then, of course, Brady was going to come in the front office. Brady from Michigan, Stephen Ross, one of Michigan's biggest benefactors, who was doing everything he could to get Brady to play quarterback for the Dolphins. And supposedly he was going to have a front office job. And then he was going to come and quarterback and I guess be Tua's mentor. And uh, then it all went down the toilet when Brian Flores signed his lawsuit. That's kind of money I think Peyton 
can expect. Now, the problem is Saints got to be compensated. Remember, John Gruden, John Gruden cost the Bucks two ones, two twos, and I think it was $8 million. Now, I don't think they're going to get that today, but it wouldn't be just a number one pick. I see all these reports that Carolina would want Sean Payton. There's no way the Saints are going to let Sean Payton, their coach, who's under contract, go to a division rival and have to pay him twice a year. Miami, yes, but that's not going to happen anymore. They're not going to do fire Mike McDaniel after one season unless they bottom out and they've got their hopes up. But Peyton's going to be somewhere. And wouldn't it be funny if the Cowboys finish like 13 and four and made the championship game or the Super Bowl, and then, oh, my goodness, that screws up Jerry Jones's plans to bring Sean Payton back to the Cowboys. I don't, even know, I don't even know if it would screw it up, Paul. I mean, who's the bid against, though, to go to 20 when the previous high was 25. 10? To I mean, go to 25. It was 20 to 25 a year, right? That was the report in the column. I mean, to me, that's just one of these, like, that would be Ross showing off his muscles. Like, I would offer him 12 and then 14 and then 16, you know, go in increments of two until you hit a number that makes him sit up a little straighter in his chair. He hasn't denied it either publicly. Guys, franchise just went for four and a half billion. And he said the Broncos turned down Josh King, Josh Harris's offer of five billion. And that's the Denver Broncos. No wonder one of the sisters of the Spanises wants to force a sale of the Chargers playing in LA in that stadium. Can you imagine what they would go for? So the money, 20 million a year to Stephen Ross, and they say gambling is going to help them make 10 billion a year uh, within five years. And that's not counting the increase in streaming rights. So we can't think about it in money that it is hard for us to fathom. So if he wants to pay him 20, fine, maybe he asked for 30. And they said, well, hey, we'll compromise it. 20. The fact is, if you want somebody and there's no salary cap, you got to pay whatever it takes. I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Payton didn't come back for more than that. Everything I've heard is he wants to go back to the Cowboys because he loves Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones and the Jones family. But the difference is, if he'd gone to Miami, he'd have had the control that he had with the Saints total. He did and controlled everything. You go to the Cowboys. You don't have that total control unless Jerry Jones was so desperate. He told his son, Stephen, we'll back away, and Sean's going to have final say. Uh, nobody's had that since Jimmy Johnson, and he had it in writing. Yeah, Miami's a better job if you don't want that hassle, for sure, and you want the power. One quick reprieve, and then we'll get right back to the NFL talk with John McClain. Patrick in the YouTube chat wants me to ask you, John, bigger accomplishment. First pitch at Major League Baseball game or spring breakers? <laughs> well, when I was filming spring breakers and I spent eight hours in a courtroom in Bradenton, Florida, with uh, Ashley Benson, Selena Gomez, and um, uh, Vanessa Hutchins, and Valerie Corrin, Harmony Corrin in Nashville, his wife, spending eight hours with them in the courtroom probably was the highlight. But uh, when it came out, I was there and gone so much, I would have to take the first pitch because so many people would love to throw out the first pitch at a baseball game. And I was incredibly honored to do it. But I'll tell you what, 
being in spring breakers and all the time it's been on cable. And I thought Harmony Corinne did a tremendous job. James Franco was fabulous. Uh, it was an honor to be in that film as well. John's been in so many films. He nearly testified in the uh, Johnny Depp trial uh, recently. He was asked. <laughs> he, was, he was on the list. They just never called him. And shockingly, uh, he was also one of the people that Amber Heard was texting with that they had a right, record yeah. of. Luckily, just, they redacted your name. Much John. like James Franco. <laughs> yes. Uh, John, Similar relationship. Yeah, uh, John, more likely to get the contract extension before or during training camp. Let's say before week one. Metcalf, McLaurin, or Debo Samuel? Who boy, Debo Samuel has been the the one that got the most attention. They think they're a Super Bowl contender. They've got to have him. He means too much to their offense. He came in for the mini camp. Metcalf, you know, see if I'm Metcalf and I'm looking at Geno Smith and Drew Locke instead of like Baker Mayfield, I'm like, do I want to stay with this team? He'd have to come back for another season. And then Terry McLaurin, such a big part of the commander's offense. I'm going to say Samuel because that team has higher hopes, is legitimate uh, threat to try to dethrone the Rams as division champion and go to the Super Bowl. So much unknown about Trey Lance in his second season and his first year as a starter. If for some reason, Debo Samuel, he's not going to hold out. It's too expensive. But he reported with a bad back or hamstring injury. I think the 49ers would be in risk of being not last. I think Arizona is going to finish last, but third in that division because they are a legitimate playoff team if Trey Lance plays the way Kyle Shanahan expects, but he can't do it without Debo Samuel. So it's difficult to not look good right now if you're if you're practicing. Like if you're if you're sitting out, if you're choosing not to attend. You know, the attendance factor is going to play into the public perception, and that's going to be the headline. That's the negative persona that you can have right now. Other than, uh, you mentioned Trey Lance, maybe think of, the, there was a report that he has a wobbly pass. Um, that I mean, for his, as much as we scrutinize quarterbacks, I'm surprised we haven't seen more from last week's minicamp with, with Trey Lance in San Francisco. That being said, um, what comes to mind as far as the negative reports go on the field during mini camps this year so far? Well, first of all, the OTAs, mini camps like Texans just had their first days. OTAs are so ridiculous. Even I look good. Uh, Laramie Tunsil, Texans left tackle, wasn't there during OTAs. Today's the first day of mini camp, and everybody's looking at him. And I'm looking down the end of one of the fields there in number 78, and somebody actually said, man, he looks good. And I said, what in the hell will you expect him to look like? He's down there standing around on the end of the field. You know, with his back turned to us, he looks damn good. So we have to wait till they get to camp and really then offensive linemen. You can't tell anything until they right. start firing off the ball. But right now, you don't see many. Now, once we get to camp, of course – I know last year we were all over Davis Mills as a rookie quarterback on every pass he threw. One day he threw five interceptions, just got mutilated by the media here and the fans on social media. Then the next day came back and looked great, and that's when the teams thought, hmm, well, maybe this kid's going to be better than we thought. Paul? I, I just think uh, – well, first off, Traylon Burke's inability to get on the field the, wasn't on the field yeah, again yeah. today. That's other, other than the out of shape or – I'm talking about just practicing. Like, 
all the if you just follow Twitter, it's just a live tweet of just glowing reviews from all these quote unquote media football experts who are just watching these guys catch passes against air. Yeah, that's and I'm the wa- thing. It is. I mean, it's basically passing camp. It's the combine. Yeah. Like it, it's it's quarterbacks. And we're not even timing the, the these receivers. guys. And, and uh, you can't you can't. There's no contact, so the right. DBs can't really win well. Though Titans DBs have looked pretty good. Because the Titans offense, I'll just say this. Hutton, Hutton uh, reported to me on the, the day they, they were on the field last week, still an OTA day, the last open OTA Last day, Tuesday. Was unimpressed with the offense. Yeah. And I think the Titans had a lot of guys out on defense. The front four in particular wasn't around for OTAs at all. They were around today. Uh, everybody's there today. Simmons wasn't on the field. But I think with the defense there, John and Chad – it really showed off how, how limited the Titans are personnel-wise, offensively, I would say. Offense usually wins these things. I think the Titans made maybe four really good plays on offense today. Chig, Akwanu, uh, the, the young, the, the draft pick tight end looked good. But the Titans offense should be a concern starting now, I say. Well, and I, I think most... I don't need to be there. Excuse me, Chad Lack. <laughs> I don't need to be there to know that Jeffrey Simmons looks damn good, whether he's standing on the sideline, whether he's on the field or taking a shower. And I don't need to be in a shower and everybody in this city would say the same thing because he's abused them. And I know I've told this story before, and I love telling it because I've been doing it for so long. For anybody worried about a guy being out of shape, I'll tell him this story about Earl Campbell. He came in to do the conditioning test one time, Hall of Fame running back, and Earl couldn't finish the mile. Everybody in the media ran to Bum Phillips said, Bum, we were breathless. Bum, Bum Earl couldn't finish the mile. What are you going to do? And he said, well, when it's third and a mile, we won't give it to him. <laughs> so relax. Well, that's the problem with Traylon Burks right now. He can't finish 10 yards uh, in a drill, and uh, he's not even practicing. So it's a little different from finishing a mile. I would hate to see what would happen if he was asked to finish a mile in this heat, if he could make it uh, you know, a lap around the field or not. I, I think the whole – Talking players up this time of year, it's an interesting psychological study to me because this to me is proof that Twitter is just not real life also. I think if you cover an individual team, you are naturally, it's like catnip. When you post, man, Derrick Henry physically looks great. Or man, what a router. This guy looks fast. You're going to get retweeted more. You're going to get liked more. You're going to get more replies in the fan base that you're mostly involved with. And so you're going to naturally lean into it and give more of that because fans don't want to be disappointed right now. Fans want to be hopeful. They don't want to get the real scoop. Most of them. This is what I find. And I think that's where Twitter isn't real life and people are more compelled to lean more into, gosh, this Titans rookie or this Texans rookie is going to set the league on fire and you go that direction. We have to be really bad to struggle, too. You're a receiver running under open passes. It's hard to look bad. And and it's really hard to look bad whenever your coach doesn't even want you there. I mean, Doug Peterson's saying, hey, vets. Stay home. Hey, you guys sucked last year and you've sucked as a franchise, but stay at home. You guys have earned it. You did so well during the easier phase of this easy phase. Right. You look so great in, in the phase where we can barely even throw you a pass. Um, we're going to let you stay at home. I, I think this is a terrible decision. I realize it's only three days worth of work, and really it's only two. But I, I look at this franchise, John, and I think, man, if I'm Doug Peterson, there's no way I would let my vets have the day off. They're not even working out. They don't have to be present for meetings. 
Um, I would want Trevor Lawrence there. I'm assuming he's there. Um, and I, I'm assuming that there are certain vets who have had the week off that will be playing with Trevor Lawrence. Therefore, I would want him there if I'm the coaching staff. Well, first of all, as soon as I'm through with you guys, I'm going to start tweeting a bunch of great things about the Texans uh, mini camp today. All the guys I saw who look so good standing there with their helmet under their the biceps on that guy sitting wow. on their helmet or kneeling on one <laughs> knee. I've never seen anybody kneel as way as well as that guy did. As far as the Jag- Jaguars, look, I've never seen a team that did well or did bad. And anybody said, man, if he had only made them come in for the last two days of the mini camp, that doesn't happen. What happens right now is mental, but it doesn't ever figure in. Now, training camp, you might hear, man, he had a bad camp and he was disappointing this season. So it started back at the end of July. But people forget about what happened in the OTAs and the two or three day mini camps. You see the quads on that fourth round pick out there? Man, they look good. Here's what kills me about it, though, is I agree with everything you guys are saying about this. It is very difficult to look bad out there. Yet, when you've got a first-round pick on a team who looks bad and can't finish drills, the response is, well, it's June. Who cares? Or it's asthma. Yeah, it's got a lot lot of time left. He's not out of shape. It's June. Got plenty of time to get in shape. Don't worry about it at all. Well, which one is it? (laughs) Which one? Are we supposed to pay attention to it or not? makes your guy look good. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's a headline win at a time. You know, the headline should be, man, this – like the – the uh, Chad, help me out with the, the Penn State receiver in Washington. Jahan Dotson. Dotson. Yeah, Jahan Dotson looks really good. Now, I pointed this out last week. He is getting his head around late on routes, John, but he's still making the catch at his hip, you know, where the ball is supposed to be, but it, he's late getting his – and his hands are still really good on, on some of these routes that the, so the team has put up. kind of good. Like, that's – it. But that's a routine type play that I would refer to the combine on. Like that, the, it's very difficult to look bad on a highlight reel. Therefore, as long as you show up, because the media is going to take attendance for the coaching staff, as long as you show up to the voluntary stuff, even though it's voluntary, and if you are in shape and you don't get hurt, right. chances are the highlight reel is going to look great whenever they tweet this out. Um, even, but it, even the coaches, we. Uh, to me, the most scrutinized player this offseason has been Tua Tagovailoa. They have been they have been dialed in in Miami on whether or not his pass is deep enough for Tyreek Hill and for Jalen Waddle or anyone else they're throwing deep to, or the receiver has to come back to it. Other than that, it's hard to find a, a player that's been heavily scrutinized to this point, and that that's coming in camp. But right now, it's just glowing. Or Tyreek Hill leaves the line of scrimmage. He's supposed to go one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, and then go. And then he'll be able to catch those deep balls from Tua Tagovailoa. I'll tell you a player to keep an eye on here. He's really popular. He flashed last season. He's been a special teams player. But nobody looks better than safety Jonathan Owens when he's with his fiancée, Simone Biles. Okay. Tell Simone we said hello. And uh, maybe we'll get Jonathan Owens on so we can see if Simone's sitting next to him in the car or in the, well, you know, race, wherever it might that's be. That's content people will like. That's right. Hey, John, thank you as always. Congrats, uh, and we mean this, on the on the first pitch. Yeah, I know awesome. people have been making, you know, making fun, and you've been doing this in, in good spirits too. The disregard our jokes. Cheap. Yeah, yeah. We're we, actually just jealous. It's really cool. Yeah. And, and, and everything on social media <laughs> was actually really cool in the response to it. 
Uh, thank you very much. And Chad like knows I got great legs for an old man. Thank you guys as always, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you, John. Same Follow him on impressive Twitter. quads. Is that fourth Chad, round pick? I mentioned. Chad was very, very interested in those legs. <laughs> I mean, John could He's do a leg some man. box very, squats for days. Very difficult to look uh, good throwing a first pitch, and John somehow did. I know. I mean, it's it the takes of the uh, OTAs. Of many many camp. It takes both a lot of effort and no effort. To look like John McClain throwing a first pitch. Chad, uh, uh, and rock those shorts. I heard a quote from a coach today, and I, I can't even remember who it was, uh, say something like, you know, we, we're just looking for these guys to come out and show that they can block and that they can catch. and they can." I'm thinking, of course. Like, can we just name off everything but the word football and what you want in a player that plays this particular sport with a helmet well, and pads? A, that's a coach getting through his uh, – Coach, what are you going to do out there in this uh, minicamp? Well, we're, you know, we're going to block <laughs> – we're going to catch. We're going to run. <laughs> we're not going to well, tackle. We're not going to tackle. We're going to throw. Maybe not even block. We're going to condition. We're going to throw. We're going we're yeah. to get in people's way. Yeah. We're going to We're going to have meetings. I mean, all these <laughs> we're things. Gonna we're going to hydrate. We're going to hydrate. We're going to meet. Yeah. That's it. That's all we're doing this time. Hydrating and meeting. We're going to lunch. I don't know about dinner, but we're going to lunch. Yep. Oh, uh, luckily, uh, no major injuries uh, for the Titans or across the headlines today. We do see there will be one or two this week where you'll see someone drop out um, in a, a major type injury. We've seen guys drop out non-contact this time of year. I got a bad prediction. So far, for the none of that. Uh, all right, we'll get into that. We've got that 360 headlines coming up in 15 minutes as well. Uh, CBS with uh, their viewership for the final round of the Canadian Open. That's oh, interesting. That. Also, um, crazy headline in El Salvador with uh, soccer uh, details there as well on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on. So they, uh, they've been testing this for the last couple years, and honestly, there have been some bad results with it, uh, with like crashes and stuff on these test flights, but the FFA has officially approved Amazon for drone deliveries. Uh, where they are going to start rolling these out in select markets. So get ready for that. It, it hasn't happened where we are located in Nashville, uh, but it's I don't know how they're choosing the markets either. Uh, but that was a, a headline I read last night was Amazon, which accounts for over 45% of the consumer. Uh, Incredible. You know, just and the space scary. This of is what funny. we're spending on just stuff so when you put this on the rundown mm. amazon drones approved by faa i thought it was going to be something new for the amazon oh oh prime broadcast oh and i thought we were, you were going to tell me something about drone footage for the game that was going to make it a better broadcast that's My funny bad. i wasn't yeah. thinking no i was it's funny i wasn't thinking delivery they, uh, I, I'm concerned with drones now, to me, that let, degree th because I don't believe in the air traffic control element of it, and I completely expect one to fall on my house and give my son something else to be scared of after our break-in 
where two drones in my neighborhood where deliveries are popular, like every neighborhood, are going to smash into each other. Well, if you hear There's anything no way they're going to manage this correctly. It's not going to be uh, from Amazon specifically for a while, but um, it, it's just it's been approved for certain areas of the country. Uh, for flight spaces. Don't stuff. you imagine that being the I case eventually? Don't, I don't see the cities where this goes. Everybody just being like, you know, that really worked well. Right. <laughs> you just know That's, that there's going to be some outlier big time issues. This is the same problem I envision with flying cars. So maybe it's good we try it out first with unmanned package delivery because we'll see that we're nowhere ready for well, flying cars, even if we had the technology. I, 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 just, I think this is where we're going, though. I don't want to be Katie Couric from 1994 or whatever year it was. Where, what internet? Is, What's the internet? Yeah, what is... It's called is a internet? website. W, um, it's HTTPW. they used it on that commercial. Um, I, I'll, I'll say this, though. It, it may be where we're going. I uh, just finished the Theodore Roosevelt documentary. He was against... He was the monopoly buster, yeah. right? Went after the big business. I'm more concerned with Amazon's 45% market it's more share. Than it's less than 50, but it's Well, that it's, number's only uh, going to go up. It's nuts. Market share of I'm saying of all goods, consumer period. good, delivery, everything. That yep. number's not going down. That number will continue to go up, and we will be more and more slavish to Amazon and companies like this, and they will they have own more the market. and more Sell big power and items. control. Sell big items well, that you have to go to a store to get that can't be easily delivered. Well, so far, the FFA is approved for five pounds or less on the delivery. But still, I mean, Sell heavy we items. know how loud Sell those drones are on the USFL broadcast. Now get ready for just down the neighborhood. Headlines next.